Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Andrew Cushman. Thanks for being on the show, Andrew. Glad to be here. Andrew, start out with single-family properties in the depth of the Great Recession. Andrew completed 27 single-family flips, um, all of which were very profitable. In 2011, Andrew transitioned to the acquisition and repositioning of multifamily properties. He acquired a mostly vacant 92-unit property on the other side of the country as his first deal. That's impressive by itself. Uh, the first property was eventually sold for several times its original purchase price. And Andrew now acquires B-class value-add properties throughout the Southeast. In total, Andrew and his team have acquired and repositioned 1,796 multifamily units to date. Uh, he's been a full-time syndicator for seven years now. Very impressive uh, track record. And uh, Andrew, uh, you know, fill in the gaps. Tell us, you know, why did you get into the, the syndication business? Why not, why not stay in the single family or, or keep flipping or doing something else? Single family flipping is great and it can produce a great income, but it's um, for most people, unless you scale it massively, it just becomes another job. And you're only as good as your next deal. You buy a property, you fix it, you sell it, you get a check. There's nothing else after that. Uh, what I love about multifamily is as long as you hold that property, there's income coming in. It's not 100% truly passive and, unless you're a passive investor, but as a, as a syndicator, you, you do that deal and if you finance it right and you operate it right and you bought it right, you're going to have cash flow for as long as you hold that. And that is really appealing. There's residual income and, and, and it continues to produce for you. And the reason I went syndication is because when I first bought that for 92-unit uh, property, I needed a, a $1.2 million and I didn't have any of that. So I had to go out and find it. So, so you syndicated that first deal? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I was pretty naive uh, at how um, in thinking how easy it was going to be to raise that money back in 2011. Uh, it's a lot easier now, uh, but that first one was quite the challenge. So, so let's talk about that first deal just a little bit, and, and all the way across the country. So, uh, where were you, and where was it? I was in Southern California, and the property was in Macon, Georgia, about uh, like far across the country as, as you can get. How, how did you find it? Well, what we did is I knew, I looked, I looked at regions across the country and said, okay, the Atlanta and then the Southeast in general uh, were areas that we felt like had really good uh, economic and demographic trends. And we just, uh, at the time you could go on, I don't know if you, I think you can still do this, but we just went on LoopNet and we started part of how I learn a new market and how I find brokers in a new market is just see who has listings on LoopNet. I mean, you're probably not going to get a great deal off LoopNet, but you can at least start getting some names and people to talk to. And so that's what we were doing. We started in Atlanta. We started following the freeways, um, north, south, and east, came across uh, Macon. And there's a particular broker there who seemed to have about 80% of the listings. And we just felt, uh, built a relationship with him. And eventually this deal came through him. Nice. So, you know, I, I think a lot of the listeners would be in those shoes there, you know, where they've, they've maybe done a few single family rentals or flips and maybe not 27 probably, but uh, some of them probably have, have done that many. But how did you present yourself and, you know, to that broker or to other people in that market when you'd never done a or completed a syndication before? You know, so they, they would take you serious. 
couple things. Uh, you know, one, I, I've seen people recommend, oh, put your single family you know, resume out there. No, don't do that. No one in the commercial world, no one cares if you flipped a couple of houses. So I did a couple, a few things. Number one, I got myself educated. I actually went out and hired a mentor. I read some books. I learned the language so that when I called the brokers, I could, I could use the right terms. I knew what a cap rate was. I could say, you know, what's the, what's the whisper price? What's the target? Um, you know, could, could speak the language properly. The second thing is I didn't pretend to be someone who I wasn't. I was honest and transparent and said, look, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't start with, hey, I'm a new guy, but I didn't, didn't pretend either. I said, yeah, you know what? I've been, been in real estate four or five years and, you know, I'm looking to get our first, uh, first apartment complex. And, you know, another thing I did, I said, and I have, um, I'm partnering with so-and-so, right? Who's our, and, and in, that, in that situation, my, you know, my, my partner had 800 units. Multifamily is very much a we business, and one of the, one of the, and it can be a little bit tough to break into if you don't have a track record. But one of the ways to get a track record is to borrow somebody else's, and you know, you like I said, partner with somebody who's got one, and say, yeah, hey, you know, I'm working with Whitney, and the two, you know, we're looking for deals in Macon, and Macon, and you've got instant credibility, and they'll take you seriously. The other thing is to just persist, right? They might blow you off the first time, they might blow you off the second, third, fourth time, but after six months, if you're still calling, you're looking at deals, you're calling back, you're having practical legitimate conversations that's not wasting their time, they will start taking you seriously and you will start getting to see the real deals. I appreciate that. I, I hear I hear it often, you know, where, uh, you know, you're talking about being, being persistent and keeping on, keeping on, you know, keep persisting where people expect it to happen overnight. Not, you know, a lot of people, it's two or three years, you know, before they land their first big syndication or maybe they're still working full time so they can't spend as much time on it, but it eventually happens if you're persistent. How did you how did you raise money for that deal? Well, this is this is another lesson, and that's um, vet your investors. So, you know, we had been doing uh, single family flipping for, like I said, four or five years before that, and so we had some people that funded funded those. And when we went and did the apartment complex, we, you know, that, that was the first group we sat down with and said, hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we think it's a great opportunity, etc. And a lot of them were like, hey, we're in. And two of them uh, each said they were going to be in for four hundred thousand a piece right off the bat. And they're like, wow, this is awesome. Man. We only have to raise $400,000, which we can do that easily. And we could. But the problem was, is uh, shortly before closing, we found out that one of those guys, we hadn't asked all the right questions. And it turns out he wanted to be a controlling partner, not just an investor. And we that wasn't what we were intending to do. And the other guy never actually had the money. And he filed bankruptcy a few years later. And so all of a sudden, we we're close to closing and we were $800,000 short. So we just word of mouth, just reached out to absolutely everybody we could think of, everyone that we knew. Um, and we, we asked them to, Hey, who do you know that might be interested? And so we, you know, we got, you know, the first group of people that we knew and then the second, you know, second level connection, third level. I mean, we, you know, six, what is it that, that book? I mean, we, we pro- probably got pretty close to the six degrees of getting to Kevin Bacon, right? I mean, we were like reaching out every relationship to relationship to relationship, but we got there. Nice. So you were persistent, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know that's the only reason I'm still here. Um, <laughs> I'm not necessarily that. At least in the beginning, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily naturally good at any of this. Like when we were doing single family, we started out trying to buy pre foreclosures, which involved cold calling people who had notices of default, and it took me four thousand five hundred and seventy six phone calls to get our first deal. But it didn't take anywhere near that to get the second one, the third one, the fourth one, and the fifth one. And so uh, similar to that. Nice, nice. So. So what about managing this property from so far away? You know, what did that look like? I definitely don't 
would not recommend trying to self-manage from that far away. Um, we brought in a third-party property management company that had a good amount of experience with that type of property and just closely closely worked with them. And that basically what that makes me or what that makes you as a sponsor or syndicator in that situation is you become an asset manager. So they're doing you know property management and then you become the asset manager and you're managing the managers. And that can be the the actual property manager. And in this case, it was it had a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, you're managing rehab coordinators and managers. So with the with the property being mostly vacant, tell us about some some issues that would bring up, you know, with the with it being vacant. Well, there's quite a few. I need, you know, that property had been uh neglected for about 15 years and, you know, anytime you buy something that's in that state, you know, one of the things we learned is dramatically increase your renovation budget beyond what you actually think it's going to be because it's like a rotten onion. Every time you pull off a layer, you're like, oh, geez, what's underneath this? I mean, things just keep adding up and adding up. The other thing you get when you buy something that's completely vacant like that is typically you don't find highly vacant buildings in really good areas. If you do, that might be a great opportunity. This one wasn't. It was in a tougher economic area. And vandalism becomes a problem because you have all these vacant units. And so there's one time where we had over $50,000 worth of damage because someone went in and ripped like $300 worth of pot, copper piping out of the, all the walls without even bothering to turn off the water and you know destroyed the walls, the flooring, the units, and that ended up about $50,000 worth of damage. So you know, high vacancy you know, definitely can cause issues. And then also you get a certain type of tenant, right? I mean, not many people want to move in. Even if you fixed it up nice, not too many people want to move into a place that's mostly vacant. They assume something is wrong or, you know, in that case, they would have, you know, they would have been right because it was very poorly managed before we had gotten there. What about the type of debt that you had on that property with it being mostly vacant? We didn't have any. It was, uh, we just basically raised all the cash. And then also what we did is during due diligence, we started seeing, wow, this thing needs, does need a lot, a lot of work. So we went back to the seller and said, Hey, this needs a little bit more work than we thought. We're not gonna, we're not gonna retrade on the price, but we want you to carry a note for us. And they, they agreed to carry a portion of it. And I think, um, you know, after it was like after two years or something like that, we refinanced with actual bank debt because by that time we had it nicely stabilized. And um, that's uh, we, we just left the bank loan on there until we sold it. Nice. So what was the key in selling, you know, buying this property and selling it for many more times than what you paid for it? Uh, well, one, persistence. Uh, two, there's just a, you know, there's a tremendous amount of, of value add there. Uh, I mean, we, and we also bought it in a you know, the distressed part of the market. That, that was back in 2011. And it was you know, managing the renovation so you don't go over budget, which is really critical on something that needs that much heavy lifting. And then providing um, good service to the residents. And then partnering with the community. When we first walked into the police chief and said what we we're going to do, he literally looked at us and said, yeah, right, good luck. And you know, six months later, he had a different attitude. And you know, they were really happy to work with us. We had city council members that we were talking to. And you know, we're trying to get um, city funds to clean, you know, help with the neighborhood and all that. And so we, we partnered with the city. Uh, we actually won an award for the Georgia Apartment Association for the, the most, they call it the Star Award, the most improved property in 2000 and. 13 or 12 or something like that. But um, so we, we try to bring the community in and then really just we, we emphasize that, hey, you know, this is a clean, safe, quiet place to live. And we made sure it was. And, and that's what made the difference. So yeah, when we, by the time we sold it, it was, you know, the 
it was still a lower income area, but the um, the revenue was like five times, you know, what it was when we when we took it over. So wow. So what gave you the confidence that that you could make this deal happen with with all these things that were against you? I wouldn't hear most people that are you know doing their first syndication you know, find a property that's all the way across the country, that's mostly vacant, that you're having to raise capital for, for all of it, you know, all these things. What gave you that confidence that said, okay, I, I can, I'm going to do this? Well, like I said, it helps to be a bit naive, but um, <laughs> no, we, we had a handful of things. Number one, I had hired a coach. So I, 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 you know, if it was just my wife and my wife is my business partner, if it was just us, start, you know, reading a couple of books, no way. But when we had a coach, so that that was huge. The other thing is, is we realized that we didn't have to know it all or do it all if we brought in the right people to help us, right? So the right management company, the right GCs, the right rehab coordinators. If we uh, worked with people, you know, again in the city that you know they could give us knowledge of what the issues were and what needed to be fixed. So it was it was really about commitment to learning as we go, having a coach, partnering with people who knew what they were doing. And then again, just getting back to that sheer persistence, knowing that there was going to be gaps in our knowledge, but that we would learn it and figure it out when we got there. Nice. So, so let's fast forward to maybe the most recent deal that you that you sold. You know, tell us a little about it and and kind of build us a little story so we can learn more about it. Yeah, that was one we actually uh, bought in 2014. Uh, broker uh, broker brought it to us and. The uh, 122 units uh, they wanted, seller wanted, was asking like 3.2, and they had an offer at 2.8. It fell out. They got another offer. You know, we offered 2.4. Uh, another buyer came in at 2.8. That fell out. Finally, they came to us and said, look, if you can just close, we'll give it to you for 2.4. So I said, great. Wow. Deal done. And so we bought that. It was stable, but, you know, it, it needed to be repositioned. They had basically kind of uh, just filled the property with people who could you know, warm the warm the room, but that's about it. Uh, so we needed to change over the tenant base, put about a, put about a million dollars into renovating it, uh, just collect, correcting deferred maintenance, but also upgrading the units. So we bought it for two four, put about a million into it. So our total basis was about three four three five, and then we actually just sold it uh, earlier this year for a little over seven one, um, which uh, needless to say was uh, was a good home run for us and the investors, and uh, was uh, yeah ended up being a great deal. Wow, so there's there's got to be a few details we didn't hear about, right? <laughs> <laughs> so break that down a little bit. You know, uh, tell us, you know, help us uh, find a deal like that. You know, what was it about that deal that said, okay, we need to pursue this one? Candidly, in until the market shifts, I wouldn't tell anyone to expect to find a deal that they can buy for two four and go ahead and sell for seven uh, sure. a couple of years later. Uh, that's just not likely to happen. But you know, how to, how to find a deal like that. I mean, no, with that say, it's not impossible. We bought one just, actually, we bought two, two years ago that this year appraised for more than double. So this was still, you know, it still is possible, but you're going to be looking at instead of, you know, 50 deals, you might be looking at 100, 200, 300 to find something like that. You know, we do B-class value add, which unfortunately has gotten really popular these days. But the key is to... Not only just to, to, to find a good deal, um, but you really have to make a good deal. You have to figure out, okay, I mean, because the odds of you buying something 20% below market or whatever is exceedingly low. So you're probably going to need to find something at market, but figure out, okay, well, if I spend $8,000 a unit doing these upgrades, I can bump the rent to you know $130 or whatever. And by bringing in professional management, I can... You know, improve um, the property's reputation. I can rebrand it. 
I can improve service to the residents. I can decrease economic vacancy. I can do all these things to increase the net operating income and then force the, the appreciation of the increase in value. And of course, it helps to buy in the right markets. And by right markets, I mean markets where you know the median income uh, easily supports the rents that you want to get to, your higher rents, meaning there's, there's plenty of people in the area who can pay them. And then also markets where people are moving in, jobs are moving in, and ideally that those jobs are jobs that are recession resistant. Uh, you know, right now the economy has been good for a long time. It still looks good, but at some point we'll hit a soft patch of some kind. And you want to make sure that you can, you can ride that out without any problems. What would be a recession-proof job or resistant job, like you said? Uh, Medical. Medical is a big one. So we like properties or towns that are supported by large medical centers. Those, especially with an aging population, that is going to you know not going to go away. Uh, Another one is large universities. Now we don't do student housing. We try to be in areas, and nothing wrong with student housing at all. It's just not our niche. But what we like is economies that have a lot of higher education, big universities, because they actually tend to do well in a recession, right? People lose jobs a lot of times. Well, I'm going to go back to school. And so they tend to be um, significantly stabilizing uh, factors. Another one is military. Uh, Again, completely independent of the recession. Now, there's other factors that go with military, but it's it's not dependent on what the economy is doing. So like, for example, we recently purchased property in a town where the top three economic drivers are medical, military, and in a significant state university. And so we like that area because whenever a recession comes, those three economic drivers aren't going to really change. Nice. So tell us maybe something, you know, you you specifically or learned about this property that or during the process of this property that it taught you that you didn't know before, maybe you wouldn't have known, uh, you know, beforehand. You're talking about the one we just sold? Yes. You know, definitely, um, I'd say one of the one of the things that this property reinforced is that, and we now have screening procedures that that factor this in. Median income uh, tends to have a very direct relationship with with property performance and headache. Meaning, the lower that median income goes, the, the generally speaking, the higher the headache and the higher the crime and the more management intensive and the higher the expense level of the property. So that property was in an area where the demographic wasn't low income, but it was probably just one step above that. And it was also a demographic that was very rough on the units. It was an urban area. And whenever someone would move out of the unit, we always had higher levels of damage to the unit than we typically do in some of our more suburban or even rural properties. Uh, So those were some interesting takeaways from that deal. Nice. So, Andrew, you know, when someone comes to you and says, you know, I really want to get into the syndication business, you know, specifically uh, multifamily, what's just a couple of pieces of advice you give them? The first thing to ask is, is why do you want to get into syndication? One of the good reasons to do it is because you want to scale and do better properties. But something I always ask is, are you comfortable being responsible for other people's money? Because it is a higher level of responsibility than managing your own. If you lose your own money, it you know what? It, it stinks, but it's really no big deal. You lose somebody else's money, that's a whole nother level of responsibility and you know, duty and, and stress that you just you don't want to have. Um, you don't want to have the stress of even the possibility of losing somebody else's money. So ask yourself if you're fit to do that. If you are, 
know, first steps are go get educated. Um, there's a lot of great books on there. Dave Lindahl's Emerging Markets and Multifamily Millions are good ones. There's a handful of people that do multifamily courses. And I'm not a big guru fan, but there are some legitimate courses out there that you can at least take some information away from. And even if the information isn't that great, typically those courses are full of like-minded individuals that you can partner with and network with and maybe get your first partner to do the next deal with. And then also listening to podcasts like this one, Bigger Pockets, there's, there's, there's actually there's a handful of good multifamily um, podcasts out there that I would recommend. So network and educate and then just get out there and start talking to brokers, looking at deals and, and making it happen. And just set the right expectations. You know, real estate in general and especially multifamily can definitely lead to a lot of wealth, but it's still not an overnight thing. And especially in this market, it takes a tremendous amount of persistence to get a really good deal and, and put everything together. Nice. So what would you say has been the hardest part of the syndication process for you? Um, in the very beginning... It was raising the money. Now that's flipped. We have more, it, it's harder to find a good home for the equity. And, and, and what I mean by home is it's, it's much harder to find a deal that uh, we feel like is a, not only provides good returns, but is safe for investors. So I, we always look at, the first question we ask is not how much can we make? The first question we ask is, well, what's the potential downside? What happens if this goes wrong? And if we think the potential is there to lose money, we're not going to do that deal. And a lot of deals that trade right now, the potential to lose money looks higher than the potential to make money. So that that's our biggest challenge right now is is finding really good deals. Um, and then also just being principled and sticking to our rule that no deal is better than a bad deal. Awesome. So besides persistence, what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I would say, you know, transparency and, mm. and relationships. Um, just being who I am, not trying to fake it and long-term relationships with people that um, not only can I can contribute to, but they can contribute back. Um, I mean, it, it's true what they say about your, your net worth equals your network. And without, you know, you can, what is it? You can go really fast solo, but if you want to go far, uh, you know, do it with, do it with a group or I'm, I'm completely butchering that, but I think that's, <laughs> yeah. not, that's the point, right? You know, a, a sprinter can, can, can cover a short distance really fast, but you know, a relay team can go, you know, a long, long way. But uh, so yeah, I, I would say I would say some of those things in addition to the persist, persistence. Uh, what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we can all apply to our business? We've done a handful of things. We've gone back and and streamlined our un, our underwriting, and it was you know it's been, and I'm actually trying to set it up so that parts um, can be, we can bring in like an analyst to kind of help us out with some of that. Uh, another thing that we did is you know we have a. a hundreds of investors that work with us. And we had just actually just a couple months ago, uh, built a, an investor portal. And there's a, there's a number of companies out there. Juniper is a good, Juniper Square is a good one. We actually went with IMS. And so we brought that in so that we can service investors uh, a little bit better. So that's something obviously that's available to anyone to do. And tell me, you know, somebody that hasn't heard of an investor portal or IMS before, what, what does that help you do? What is that going to help you accomplish? So as an so an investor, so as a syndicator, if you set up a portal like that, you can tell your investors, all right, so you've you've invested in three different properties, right? Because it's funny, people will actually call up and be like, hey, um, I know I gave you a hundred grand two years ago. Where did I put that? What property was that in? And I'm like, seriously, are you not reading the emails? <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I'm like, I can't wait till I'm at the point where I forget where I put 100 grand. But, you know, so the investor portal, what that does is that gives each investor a login. And they can log in. All of their K-1s are there, which that's big because K, you know, that's incredibly important for taxes. But then you know, people lose them. They need them again. The CPA wants you know, the old ones, whatever. So they can log in. All of that's there. All the investments that they've made are there. All of the historical returns are there. Um, all the information on the properties are there. Any documents they could need. It puts everything in one place. It makes it easily accessible 24 hours a day for, for anyone who, who has access to the portal. Um, so it's it, it's a it's a great service for the investors, and it makes things easier as the sponsor because everything's in one place, and you're not the bottleneck for getting access to it. Nice, Andrew. Would you tell our listeners uh, how they can learn more about you and your business and get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you can connect with me on Bigger Pockets and LinkedIn. Uh, our website. It's not a fancy website. It's but it's just uh, you can Google Vantage Point Acquisitions, but it's VP. ACQ.com. There's a contact us form on there that goes directly to my email. Uh, happy to uh, connect with anybody. And uh, yeah, those are probably the easiest three. Andrew, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate you being on the show and, and I appreciate the listeners being with us today. I hope you will connect with Andrew and I hope you'll go to lifebridgecapital.com and connect with me and schedule a call and I'll help you any way I can and uh, go to our Facebook group so we can all learn from experts like Andrew and ask them questions and you can also see the uh, guests that are coming up so you can ask uh, questions, submit questions for them uh, in the future. So look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital. Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.